it is time to stand because of what's at stake. It's time to stand because if we close our churches when the sheep needed us the most, and I think it is so wrong that the sheep have to beg the pastor, would you please preach to us? Would you please preach to us? Please don't run away. We need you. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. People are turning to drugs. People lose their jobs. This is not the time for us to be separated. But you know what, Andy, the, the, the very encouraging thing here is that what the devil means for evil, God is turning around for good. Because if anything, this is uniting the Christians. It's bringing them together. We're experiencing it right here. Since the judge locked our building, since then it has, it's opened up again. But when the judge locked our building, our attendance doubled. Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy Coleman, your host, and today I am joined by Pastor Henry Hildebrandt out of Canada. He's going to be updating us on an important case of yet another imprisoned pastor in that country. We do not hear enough about what's going on. We're not dialed in enough, and we need more context. We need more insights. Pastor Hildebrandt is here to provide all of that. Pastor Hildebrandt, thank you very much for taking some time to join us today. Thanks, Andy, for having me. Glad to be on. Well, we're glad to have you on. I regret that we're discussing these circumstances, but we also know that the church will come under pressure, and we are to not be shocked when that happens, uh, when we're faithful, and that this is happening in Canada. We're recording on October 20th, 2021, and recently another pastor was arrested there in Canada, and I saw that you had made some comments about that. And this is Pastor Tobias Thiessen. Can you tell us about uh, Pastor Thiessen and just a little bit of his background? So he's a young man uh, married with two little boys. He lives in Steinbeck, Manitoba, which is about an hour or so away from Winnipeg. He has been preaching for the last few years and has run into some real issues there with the government in Manitoba, just kind of like what we have done here although there seems to be a difference from one province to the next, so it's not exactly identical, but he was under a, uh, they had issued a warrant for his arrest a few months back when they also issued uh, some warrants for arrest for a few other, four or five other people that were part of a protest or rally or whatever, So and they took him and picked his name as well. And he was since then kind of somewhat in hiding, and yet on Sundays he was always uh, right where he usually is, right at the church building, preaching and doing whatever he was doing. His parents, interesting enough, his parents, Pastor Tobias Thiessen's parents, came from communist Russia. And th- that was just when he was uh, just a little boy. But anyway, it brings back a lot of memories from him of what his parents would have told him uh, what happened back where, where they came from. And it's difficult, very difficult to understand 
that in such a short time where what we have come to right here in Canada. Yeah, you didn't really hear stories like this until last year. What really changed was COVID. And yes, at first, local governments, governments around the world were kind of struggling just to figure this out. And it was up in the air a little bit. Different locales have responded in different fashions. And you mentioned that even there in Canada, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. These are flaring in different parts of the country. You know, we've, we've heard from believers in Finland and Germany and other places, and similar patterns are emerging. But you mentioned that you're in a different province. Where are you located? I am in Elmer, Ontario, which is about two hours from uh, Niagara Falls, about two hours from Toronto, and about two hours from Detroit. Oh, boy. Tucked in there right in the middle. Yeah, you're in the triangle. Okay. These restrictions, are they're applied differently in different locales like we just mentioned, but they have also been applied there in Canada. Maybe you can speak to this and help our listeners understand more, but they haven't been applied universally. A city or a county, however you would describe it in Canada, sometimes they would come up with regulations, but those regulations were much more onerous on churches. Um, Is that true in this case uh, with Pastor Thiessen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes, it seems, Andy, it seems very strange that if we were dealing, if we were dealing with uh, the same virus, let's say uh, worldwide, if that is what the case is, that there is a COVID and it's worldwide, it's the same virus, right? Why these different regulations, uh, why these different governments view it so very, very differently even from one state to the other, one province to the other, or one county to the other. Why? Why is there such, such a difference? You hear about Florida or Texas, or you hear about Sweden. Why is one country living their life uh, basically normal? And then we are here in Canada under such severe, severe lockdowns, especially here in Ontario, and yet the other provinces have not been spared uh, either. And especially the churches, that is very, very hard to understand when just a couple of years back, our government would have offered to the world and said, if anybody has religious persecution, welcome to Canada. Here you can come and you can live your faith. Like I said, that was probably said in 2018. I believe it was one of the premiers One of, in, the, in the States. They would call him the governors. It was the governor from Alberta that would have said that he's still right now the premier there. Uh, he said those words, uh, inviting the people here. And now we are under such uh, persecution here. I cannot call it anything else because we are being persecuted. Pastors are being put in jail. Myself here, our church in Elmer, Ontario, we just paid $275,000 uh, in fines because we had church services. The pastors in Alberta have been jailed. Uh, Pastor Tobias Thiessen was uh, jailed two days ago. Uh, great news. He was just now released uh, wow. before we. I got on here. He was released. So he is re- reunited with his uh, young wife and children. So we we thank God for that. I haven't heard the conditions. I haven't heard, I haven't heard what the situation is. But anyway, we're glad that he's reunited with his family. But uh, it's hard to understand. There's still a pastor right now in New Brunswick, which is another state, another province in Canada. Uh, his name is Phil Hutchins. Uh, he's still in prison. A pastor still in prison. Uh, Pastor Art uh, Polovsky from Alberta, uh, he's still being haunted, uh, is in jail and then out and then back in again. So 
my my concern is why are we hitting the churches the hardest you don't hear that businessmen are in jail uh, you don't hear that other people are in jail so why the churches yeah when you're describing different governments around the world responding differently i think i could chalk some of that up to just different types of government different representatives but you're right the churches are being zeroed in on and and i think even in more open areas more uh areas where there has been more freedom and people are able to live their lives. They're able to go to church. They're able to worship freely. Even they recognize that something is off if the liquor store is able to be open, but the church is not. Um, if certain businesses are free and clear, but the church is not, now we're scratching our heads. Something doesn't smell right, and it does seem to be this targeting of churches. Is that still going on? I know it was going on in recent months, but has that changed at all? Or is there, are they trying to level the playing field? So I don't know for sure what their approach is. It seems to me that they are trying to see if they can uh, be a little less heavy handed, uh, but the regulations are still going on. Uh, as we speak right now, there's still mandates that are being passed in the different uh, uh, provinces regarding churches and uh, saying that 30% only allow 30% of attendance and things like that. That will just not work for the churches because if ever the people needed us, it is right now. There is no way, there's no way that we will bow down to those. To us, to us as the churches, it is the exact same principle as it was back in, in the day of Daniel, back in the day of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It is no different to us right now. It's an image that they want us to bow down to, and we will not. We will not. Uh, I am sad to say that uh, many pastors don't have the uh, the uh, courage to stand up. If they did, we would actually not be facing this. The only reason they can do this to the churches is that so many of them just roll over and, and do whatever the government is asking of them uh, to do, which we know, which we know as Christians through history, uh, Christians have never never uh, obey the government as their first obligation. Always God first and the word of God first. And then if the government requires something that matches with the word of God, no problem. But if it goes against the word of God, if it goes against God, not a question. I mean, that's why we have the book of martyrs, over a thousand recorded pages of, of people laying down their lives for what they stood for their faith. I've often said lately, and, and Andy, this is no small uh, uh, exclamation, but if our faith is not worth dying for, I would question, is it worth living for? Mm, that's well said. So th this is the setting that Pastor Thiessen found himself in. He was really being pressured to corral his church, to tramp down uh, because of these health restrictions in Canada. How did the arrest take place? You, you mentioned that he, there was a warrant issued for his arrest and that he actually was arrested maybe two days ago, and praise God, he's out. But how did that arrest come to be? What, what was the violation? What was the issue? So the violation was that they would say that he did not go by the mandates which the province has, had set a few months back. Since then, they had been lifted. But when he was charged, it was that, they, that he had church services when they told him not to. And actually, at the, in the spring, uh, at some point, 
they were having church service right there by their on highway 12 right by their church building because the police actually blocked the laneway going into their church uh, parking lot so these people all just parked right on highway 12 a two-lane highway there and just had their church service right there and the police were there and the tow trucks were called to tow these people away in the end they did not tow them it was just it was just a big mess unreal just unreal and since then it has they never let up and they would tell him that he was not allowed uh, to have church service. They told him he was not allowed to be present at a rally to speak about the God-given freedoms in our country, that that was not allowed. I mean, talking about free speech being taken away or being censored right now, it's unreal what is happening in Canada. And I understand that it's happening more and more in the States as well, that the censoring is going on. But that's how that happened. And then they issued the, the, uh, the warrant for his arrest. But then he kind of kind of stayed out of their path, except for on Sundays he was at church, but they did not want to make themselves look terrible. So they did not arrest him on Sundays while he was in church. And then this just two days ago, uh, his mom, uh, Pastor, Pastor Tobias's mom and his brother uh, were moving. They moved to Austria this week. She's actually from Europe. So they moved back to Austria. Well, uh, they had a little goodbye party at the park with uh, with their son. And lo and behold, the police were watching there. And as he pulled away from the park, they stopped him and asked him in a very sly way. They asked him if they could see his registration. I think you would call it his title for his vehicle. And then they said, Tobias, you're under arrest. Please step out of the vehicle. And right there in front of his wife, right in front of his children. And his mom was just begging, can I please give my son one more hug before I move to Austria? And she was not granted that. She left, they went, they had their tickets booked. They couldn't change that that quick. So she left for Austria and never was able to hug her son one more time. That seems tyrannical. That seems heavy handed uh, beyond measure to, I mean, what was the situation? Did we have a serial killer here? Did we have a shootout? No, we had a pastor and he's actually a very short, uh, uh, he's, he's not very tall. He's not the very, very big built. So what I'm saying is there was no reason, there was no rush, wasn't late in the night, there was no rush why he couldn't have one moment with his mom so that his mom didn't have to leave like this. Anyway, kind of things like that is what really concerns us here in Canada. Why are they so heavy handed when it comes to things like that? Yeah, and the fact that it was an old case and they still were so bent out of shape that they were going to go back and write that perceived wrong from their standpoint, so they weren't going to let it go. And now to release him two days later, uh, so it shows you that there was no crime. It shows you that there was no serious, and otherwise he wouldn't be he wouldn't be free, right? So two days later, so what this shows you would beyond any any doubt is. It's they are on a power trip. They just want to show the churches. They want to show the pastors what we have said. We have said, and if nothing else, we'll arrest you and then we'll release you right away. But we will do this. And that to me is such an evil thing for the world to look on Canada as an example of a peaceful country, always known as a peaceful haven here uh, for persecuted people. Now to do this. I mean, right now, you don't hear this happening in Cuba. You don't hear this happening in Poland. You don't hear this happening in, in Russia. I'm just saying, why are we doing this in Canada? Well, the, the government there is definitely trying to flex in, in certain areas and, and posture in front of the church. We do have some brothers and sisters down in Cuba that are having a rough go of it right now. And in many parts of the world, 
But I think this is so important. We were not having this conversation about Canada in 2019. We were not having this conversation about Australia in 2019. Some of the video that's emerging from there is just stunning. So I think, you know, for our listeners who are trying to prepare themselves spiritually, they're trying to prepare their families for what might be coming down the pike, or they're already in it themselves. They might already be facing pressure right now. But what we have to realize is that things can change quickly. And you can't presume that all is well. You can't presume that you have 20 years to kind of get things in order. No, you. we need to be grounded today. We need to be making adjustments with our families, with our churches, with our communities right now. And be grateful for every opportunity we have, but also know that it can come to a halt very swiftly. We will return to the podcast momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast, like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe. That is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at ChristianEmergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.christianemergency.com. And now, back to the show. I think it's interesting, too, that you pointed out that he wasn't trying to get sideways of law enforcement. They knew where to find him on Sunday morning. He was showing up to church, and they didn't move in that setting because they they knew the optics were going to be bad. And in my opinion— that signals to me that they know it's just wrong. You mentioned that they blocked the road. How did they block the road in the past to the church? Did they actually park vehicles there? Did they bulldoze a dirt road? What did that look like? So they, they actually parked their vehicle just sideways uh, to cross, yeah. cross the driveway just to close it and stood right there. In other words, you won't be crossing here. Another flex, yeah. Exactly the the like you said the optics, Andy. The optics are are terrible. It's just Canadians in general are not prepared at this point. Even people, you know, Andy. I've had never in my life. I never did. I have so many atheists, people professing to be atheists, contacting me and saying, "Look, this is wrong. What is happening? I'm not a believer, but this is wrong. What is happening to you all?" And and it really is. But you know, Andy, what, what, what I see what is happening now, just in the last couple of months, and it's happening so fast, is so we heard, at first we heard, and they constantly said that churches are not essential, pastors are not essential, these frontline workers, they are essential. So what's happening now to the frontline workers? They went from a, I'm sorry to say it like this, but they went from a hero to a zero, we could say. Right now, as you and I speak, they are losing their jobs left and right, United States and Canada. They're losing their jobs left and right, including policemen, firemen, ambulance drivers, nurses, doctors. Why? Because they will not go along. They, they do not believe 
uh, or they, they, they believe that their medical history is, pri is a private history, that they don't need to disclose that. And that's enough for these people to let them go. So they told us, these frontline workers, look, they are so important. And I agree that they're very important. And now look, stabbing them in the back in a short few months, for what reason? This is what I was saying yesterday. I said, so the police are right now arresting pastors, but the policemen must remember that one thing goes wrong and they'll put their own coughs on them and take their children from them and vaccinate their children without their consent and on and on and on. You never know what all this is ahead of us. And I'm, I, I'm not even going to attempt it because I would butcher it, but it really harkens back to that poem from 100 years ago where, where they referenced first they came from for this group and then they and I didn't say anything. Then they came for this group and I didn't say anything. And then finally they came for me and I couldn't say anything because there was nobody left. You're right. Um, we do need to be aware that this is a broader pattern unfolding and that and I just want to say a quick word to Christians that are listening to this and might just maybe they just disagree. Maybe they see this disease as super severe and that it warrants all kinds of restrictions. I just want to tease this out a little bit. If a health issue is sufficient to warrant any kind of clampdown against the church, where does that stop? I, I want them to think through that. And even if they disagree with you and me as they're listening to our conversation, I hope that they're considering that and that there's a danger involved and that uh, these pressures that are building against the church in these areas should alarm them more than maybe they're letting on. From conversations with some Christians, I don't think they really want to let their mind go there. I don't think they want to think of the dangers. I think they'd rather just kind of go along to get along, look the other way, and maybe it's not so scary. But I think we have to be good stewards of wisdom. We have to be good stewards of our churches. We have to be good stewards of the families, the flocks that are in our midst. And at some point, you just got to stand. You just got to stand. You got to be faithful and know that it's going to cost you. Exactly. I, I don't think it's the right approach to just use Romans 13 and saying, well, if the government says that we have to obey, well, as Christians, we know, like I said, from the beginning of history, why is the book of Mart martyrs there? It's because they disobeyed. Uh, what was wrong? Daniel could have uh, just gone to a different window, right? Or go into the closet and pray there. Why did he have to be at that window? And the three Hebrews, could they not have just knelt down and just pray to their God? No, that they missed, people missed the point. It is time to stand because of what's at stake. It's time to stand because if we close our churches when the sheep needed us the most, and I think it is so wrong, I think it is so wrong that the sheep have to beg the pastor, would you please preach to us? Would you please preach to us? Please don't run away. We need you. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. People are turning to drugs. People lose their jobs. I mean, if they ever need it, and I'm saying this goes far beyond uh, having a, a service virtual. It's not enough virtual. You need it. You need it. They need. They need to feel your touch. Uh, you need to embrace someone. This is not the time for us to be separated. And let's look deeper. Let's look deeper. What is happening? What's actually happening here is the old saying, Andy, is divide and conquer. That is what's really happening here is just to see if they can divide us. But you know what, Andy, the, the, the very encouraging thing here is that what the devil means for evil, God is turning around for good. 
because if anything, this is uniting the Christians. It's bringing them together. We're experiencing it right here. Since the judge locked our building, since then it has it's opened up again. But when the judge locked our building, our attendance doubled because people right now want to be together. And obviously, we need to be responsible people. We always have been. If there was whooping cough going around or measles or whatever it was, we will not shy back from quarantining. We will not shy back from canceling a, a service if there is a serious issue going around. And we did that the first two weeks when they said we need to flatten the curve. Obviously, not a problem. But not 19 months. Now we know, now we full well know that there's an agenda behind this. And we know it is directed at the children of God heavily. And like the Bible says, the more, the more they torture the children of God, the more they multiply. Your your point of how your attendance doubled when your church building was closed down by the government, uh, that's so true because what I think is happening here is that there is a witness happening. There is a witness unfolding. There is a pressure point, and you guys are being told, you have to do this. You are being compelled to do this, and in faith, you're saying— this is what we are going to do. So it's almost a showdown. There's a witness there where somebody's not backing up. They have every incentive to. You need to do this to comply. You need to do this to be in good standing. And you guys instead are standing on faith. And now what's happening is that people are watching. And so the faithful are encouraged because they do see that they have shepherds that are tending to them, to the sheep. But you mentioned the atheists before who are coming and saying, I don't think it's right what they're doing to you. They're watching that, too. The unbelieving world is circling around and watching this, and they're like, wow, these people really believe what they claim to believe. Why? Why are they taking this stand? Why are they, Why is Pastor Thiessen willing to go to jail on issues like this? And I think that you're right. What, what Satan intends to harm, God will be redeeming if we're faithful, if we lean into that pressure and stand rather than cave and just you know flitter away. I'm encouraged by these accounts, even though I know on a human level, on a temporal level, there's real suffering. Uh, Pastor Thiessen's children, no doubt, were scared and upset. And so that's all real, and I'm not dismissing that. But I am grateful for these accounts of faithfulness. Christ is worthy of suffering. And you know, Andy, uh, you use the word showdown, and that is what some believers would shy back from, and they would say, no, we should not have a showdown. And you know what? We did not ask for it. We didn't run around in town. We did not call the government and say, come on, let's have a showdown. They showed up on our property. They interfered against the law with, with, with the um, criminal code. Section 176 says you may not in Canada, you may not interfere. And I believe it's no different in the States. You may not, not interfere with a religious service. So they did that. They interfered and came right on the parking lot and, and whatnot. So I'm saying we did not ask for it, but Jesus did not ask for a showdown, and yet there was one. Daniel did not ask for a showdown, but there was one. The three Hebrews did not ask for a showdown, but there was one. And if we will be faithful, if we will stand like we should, there will be a showdown. And I think that's a great point. You don't. Nobody should go seeking persecution. Nobody should want to be, you know, a martyr. But instead, we we just conduct ourselves in a faithful manner. And if that runs into trouble, we stand in faith. You mentioned that uh, right now the pattern that you're seeing is really a divide-and-conquer strategy where the church is being divided. 
communities are being divided. People are being pit against different ones and all of this. And I think as believers too, we have to recognize that we are in a spiritual war. And if we're recognizing that military tactic, it's because we're in a spiritual war. There's all kinds of things going on right now, and we need to be uh, tuned into that. Lots of stuff going on in Canada. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've been in this mix for a while yourself. We're talking about Pastor Thiessen, and, and we're so grateful that he's back home with his family. But didn't you, haven't you been dealing with these kinds of pressures yourself with your own church for the last year or more? Absolutely. Absolutely. We were constantly, constantly, uh, like the last 19 months, uh, ongoing, ongoing uh, police there and police uh, taking pictures of every member leaving the church, shining the spotlight at them in the evening and taking their license plate. And they came into our building. The sheriff came there with four or five other officers while we were singing, came in and asked us to leave, lock the building up. I mean, we've dealt with this. Like I said earlier, we have paid $275,000 in fines. I don't know where, where that is going to go. I don't know what they, what they are doing. I just pray that God will use that somehow, like you said, as a witness. I mean, when, when did that happen in Canada before? When did that happen in the States where uh, we're paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of fines? But the thing is, if, if our faith isn't worth that, then I question, so what, what, why, what, what is our faith all about? And I believe that, like you saw, I think we saw that in California with Pastor MacArthur's church there. He was charged at one time or went through similar things. And then yet the Lord turned that all around and they had to pay back. Uh, and I, I told the people here, I said, sometimes when God charges or collects back, he collects back big. So yeah. you know, I said, I, I, I'm not asking for $1. I don't want uh, people's money. But I'm saying uh, this money that they have charged us is wrong. This money that they have collected from us is wrong. It's wrong against God. It's wrong against the word of God. Not only that, it is wrong against the Canadian Bill of Rights, against the Constitution. It's just totally wrong. It's just totally wrong. They have no grounds to stand on. This will be an interesting conversation to watch how things follow in the next year or two. I mean, things could continue to spiral and accelerate and get harder and darker. That's certainly true. But it is possible that you guys might be on the receiving end of some kind of justice if this cycles through the, the legal system there. And uh, because of all these violations that do seem to be in an open conflict with the freedoms that you as Canadians are supposed to enjoy, your religious liberty. So that will be interesting to watch. And I agree with you. I, I do not like hearing about acts of intimidation like you're describing where they're photographing people and their license plates at church. And that, that to me is nefarious. That's the type of stuff that was going on under the communist block. It's just intimidation. We know who you are. We're watching. You better check your six. I don't like hearing about that. You know, I, I made that one point to any Christians that are listening that are on the fence about these issues, and they're trying to figure out and make sense of what's going on. Here's another thing that we need to remember. When we look at the really tragic countries, the tragic areas of the world, um, we read our history books, and we, we're like, how did Germany turn into Nazi Germany? How did this happen in Russia? And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't start out in, in an extreme setting, but it's this slow progression and I've almost I've heard it compared to like a wagon that's going to go down a hill. If you're going to stop that wagon, it's it's way easier in the first five feet. But once it's halfway down the hill, that is a very difficult that you can't break it. 
thing is, Andy, the thing is uh, you mentioned about uh, with communists. That's why right now in our country here in Canada, I've been amazed. Many, many people that stand up are immigrants or people that came. They're now Canadian citizens. They, they've lived here for 20 years. But they are seeing the signs, even though it's, it's slow and yet it's going way faster than it should be. But I'm saying they realize, they remember what the signs were because it didn't start overnight. Communist countries didn't fall like that overnight. But these people now, they recognize the signs. They see it. Yeah, I have a uh, friend that is from Venezuela. And I just asked her what she was seeing around the United States. And she started crying because she's recognized this before. It's the same card she saw played. So you're, you're right. Well, I'm encouraged by the faithfulness that you're describing amongst a few. And my hope is that more pastors in Canada and more pastors around the world, more Christians are hearing this. And they're like, look, I may have been caught flat-footed. Maybe I was unprepared for this. Maybe I haven't really thought this through. But there is some spiritual sense in what I'm hearing described. And I maybe I can be a little braver, too. Maybe I can take a small baby step of a stand myself. Uh, maybe I could be praying for these people that are in jail and their families. And I don't want to gloss over that. You mentioned this individual. Was it Phil Hutchins? That's correct. From New Brunswick. From New Brunswick. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? And he's still in jail. He is still in jail, to my understanding. Now, unfortunately, I am not affiliated with him to be able to tell you enough. I I just heard this as well, that he was apprehended, I believe, was it a, a week ago Sunday? So he's been, I have not heard that he's been released and he was, he was put in jail because he would not require his people uh, to show their vaccination certificate. I mean, that's tremendous. That's tremendous to require that of a pastor. Well, let's recognize that the, ma the major media outlets are not going to be covering this. These are real families. These are real individuals. These are pastors and families and we need to be mindful of that, whether it's in Canada or Myanmar or China, Iran. Uh, when we can find out, we need to do what we can to find out about their plight. We need to be praying for them. We need to be lifting them up, lifting up their churches and their networks, um, and standing together as one global body of Christ. We need that kind of a, a unity right now. As we're kind of wrapping up, what would you want to share with Christians, but any other takeaways from the last 18 months in Canada, what would you want to express to them? We would have perhaps never thought at the beginning how this will unfold. It's, it's shocking to us how it's unfolding. My message to all the Christians, uh, especially since we, we are talking about the Christian side of this, I mean, it affects freedom taken away from one of us is freedom taken away from all of us. But my uh, message is that we should prepare the least we can do is we should prepare. And I'm saying, find uh, a community. We must stand together because you have what I don't have and I have what you don't have. And our forefathers would have known that much better what a community meant because the world now, the way it has unfolded, everybody's on their own. And we thought we could do well, everybody on their own. Each, we hardly knew our neighbors. Uh, we hardly knew uh, who lived next door, and that is rapidly changing. I'm speaking from experience right here where I live. Our neighbors, we have been connected lately like we have never been connected before. We must, we must find a community. We must work together. We must form relationships. 
where we can, to work together where we can. I'm saying even going as far as preparation for the material things, like uh, having some, at least some preparation for food and things, because when you see, okay, so I, I realize, I realize a year ago, they would have said, pastor, you are, what, what are these uh, conspiracy theories that you have? I keep telling people lately that I have no conspiracy theories left. They used all of them. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, uh, it's it, when you look at the stores, you go into the stores and everything is backlogged, backlogged. Like why, why in these rich countries, why are our shelves not full? So I'm saying people look at the signs. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew 24, when he talked about the destruction of Jerusalem, he said, look at the signs, look at the signs. And I think the least for us as Christians, the least we can do is look at the signs, what is happening. Look what's going on in the last in 19 months. Let's stand together spiritually. Let's be what we need to be. Let's be passionate about serving God. And let's be prepared to help others because a big load will be on our shoulders to help people. Many, many will be in need as they already are. So let's be prepared. That's a great closing point. Um, I think you're right on. I think that we desperately need community. And that's why it's so important for churches to be able to be open and that they can receive people. Because right now, there's a lot of atomized people out there. They're not tapped in. They're alone. They're isolated. And they're lonely. And that is a breeding ground for the enemy to move in as well. We need to be discerning. We need to understand our times. And we need to be there for one another because the challenges are here. It's not coming. It's here. And... We just have to stand firm in the faith. Pastor Hildebrand, if our listeners wanted to follow these types of events more closely or maybe follow you and your ministry, how would you encourage them to do that? So I am on, on YouTube, on Facebook, Pastor Hildebrand or the Church of God. Uh, you, you have, you'll have no problem finding us. We are on Rumble as well. Any of those, Henry Hildebrand or Pastor Henry Hildebrand or the Church of God will directly lead you there. Okay, we'll put that in our show notes for our listeners, and um, we just appreciate your time. If you do have the opportunity in the, the near term to talk to Pastor Thiessen, uh, would you please extend our our love and our gratitude for his faithfulness? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you for having me again. Well, thank you so much for your time. Please extend our greetings, and if there's anything we can do to help with the churches in Canada, we want to help. God bless you. And thank you, everyone, for praying for us. Your support means far more than we can express. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a great, great day. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bless you, too. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.